Well, good morning. Welcome to Waterstone. My name is Billy, and I'm one of the pastors, and I had the privilege to speak uh, this morning to you. Um, I've told my story a few times. Some of you know it, but I grew up in uh, Georgia, rural Georgia, and uh, my family were singers, a lot of singers in my family. In fact, my uh, um, dad and his brothers had a uh, southern gospel quartet that traveled around the southeast. Now, now, some of you have no clue what I just said. It was like, <laughs> but if you know what a southern gospel quartet is, can you like raise your hands? I just want to get an idea here, okay? If you, okay, if you don't know what it is, it's usually four voices, uh, quartet, get it? Four voices, big time harmonies. It's rooted out of Appalachia, really, of these, these uh, rich harmonies, strong voices, big songs. And, uh, and it's still a, a thing today in the South. And, and so that was my heritage. And my family would travel on the weekends usually to these really, really small churches in rural Alabama, rural Georgia. And these churches were usually like, um, you, you've seen them. I mean, you've seen the pictures of these, these country churches, white wood churches, right? The insides of these churches were usually all wood uh, interiors. And so when you'd sing in these churches, it would just reverberate, right? It would just be loud and all the harmonies. Country people sing really loud. And so a lot of harmonies. And, and so my memories are at all these services, um, after the offering, um, there would be a, usually a song that was sung, usually a cappella with no accompaniment. It was the song and the song we just sang, the doxology. How many of you have that memory of, of yeah, see, there's a lot of these memories that we, we do in church and, uh, um, this morning, I'm going to do something a little different, um, if you'll bear with me, take you on a, a journey. This morning, this journey is about praise and thanksgiving, giving God the praise that he's due. And, and you know, at Waterstone, we have a high value on preaching and preaching the word of God. And, and the sermons at Waterstone are generally expositional uh, sermons, which mean we start with Scripture, we start with the original intent of the author of Scripture, and we take that and apply it to our lives and today through the original intent of scripture. And, and that's what uh, we believe preaching is most of the time. This morning, we're going to do it a little bit differently. And uh, what I want to do is take the, the traditional song, the doxology. The doxology as a form, as a liturgical form, has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries, dated back to old Jewish times, the synagogue um, days. In the form that we just sang the doxology, and that form was written in the late 1600s. 1674-ish, which makes it one of the oldest Christian songs that we sing in corporate worship. Isn't that cool? It's really cool that we can go back um, that far. And so we're going to take the doxology today and use it to illustrate uh, three things about praising God. I'm going to do it in a different way. We're going to have some interaction and some different things happening. Um, but, but three things I want to tell you about praise today. First of all, God is the object of our praise. Second of all, when we praise God, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And lastly, praising God means praising the fullness of God. And again, we're going to use the doxology to illustrate that. So before we continue, I just want us one more time to lift our voices and, and sing together uh, the doxology. Can you sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here 
First thing about God's praise, uh, praising God, I want to point us to is God is the object of our praise. And that's illustrated in the first line of the song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And you say, okay, that's pretty obvious, right? We understand that we praise God. But do we? You see, it's pretty easy for us to get praising God and praising blessings mixed up. It's pretty easy for us to turn our affections and our thankfulness to created things and ignore the creator of all who is God. And I present to you this morning that as we approach God and praise him, our affections and our hearts and our minds should first and foremost be centered on the God of the universe. And this is not a new phenomenon of getting those things mixed up. The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Rome and he's writing to uh, Christians and Jews alike in Rome. And he's addressing some things that they're getting mixed up. And he's specifically addressing uh, people that have turned away from God. In the first chapter of Romans, we see this verse 24, 25. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So I have a confession to make this morning. I'm kind of a gadget guy. Do we have any gadget people in the room? I'm seeing some big hands going up and the rest of you are just embarrassed to raise your hand, right? I mean, like, I've got my notes on an iPad. I, um, I've had an iPhone for like 10 years. You know, I, I got, well, I got an iPhone like two months ago. It was the iPhone 8. And like a month later, it's completely obsolete now, right? The iPhone X came out and this thing's worthless now, right? Isn't that how we are? You know, I've, again, I've had an iPhone for a long time. Um, never once after receiving a new phone have I uh, called up Apple um, back in the day, Steve Jobs, or now maybe Tim Cook, and, and said, you know, thanks for creating such a cool phone that affects my life, right? I know all of you do. Okay, it's a silly illustration, but the point is we have all these things in our life that all come from the hand of God, and our propensity is to ignore God and focus on the things that God gives us, especially in this time of Thanksgiving we're going into, how easy it is to get our, our gaze, our attention, our affection off of the creator of the world and put it on the things that he gives us. And he gives us good things, right? 
He gives us families that we love, friendships that we adore. He gives us resources and finances to spend at will and how easily we turn away from the giver of every good gift to all the gifts. How easily we turn away from the creator of the world and focus on what he's created for us. It's dangerous. It really is. It's dangerous. So the first thing we learned today that God, God is the object of our praise and our thanksgiving this morning. So we're going to take just a couple of moments here. Again, I said this was interactive, and I want to give you a few short, brief moments of silence, and in your own self, in your own mind, just reflect in your own life of the things that you value more than you value God, the things that you worship more than you worship God. Big statement, the things that you love more than you love God. Perhaps in your own self, you want to repent of that and ask for God's help to move past that in your life. So just a few brief moments of silence to reflect on your own. Can you do that, please? I've asked the band to come back out. Before we continue this morning, I'd like for us to respond to that piece of what God's showing us. A few months ago, uh, our staff was gathered up at a staff retreat, and I was leading uh, worship with this song we're going to sing, an old, old hymn called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I had this epiphany, this realization that I had been singing this song in my own spirit wrong for far too long. Um, honestly, when, when we sing the song, the phrase, come now fount of every blessing in my own life, I was singing and thanking and praising God for blessings, and I was welcoming blessings when that's not what the phrase says. The phrase says, come now fount of every blessing. Fount is a word used through the Bible, through Scripture, to, uh, it's the source. It's the source of a river, source of a stream, and in this case, it's the source of of the blessing. So when we say, come thou fount, thou source of every blessing, we're saying, come God into my life. Thank you for the blessings. And the song continues, tune my heart to sing your praise. God, would you turn me? Would you get my eyes off of myself and help me to sing your praise? That's our hearts this morning. So we're going to pause and we're going to sing that and reflect. Would you stand? And let's sing together. Come now, fount of every blessing. Can we praise God together for his goodness? Yeah. You guys can be seated. So the first thing we saw is God is the object of our praise. God and God alone is the object of our praise. The second thing I want to point to you today is when we praise God, 
uh, we were reminded that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. That's illustrated in really the next two phrases of the song. The next phrase of the song says, praise him all creatures here below. So immediately our focus is turning from praising God and then we're talking to each other when we say praise him, right? All creatures here below. That's us speaking to each other, helping each other to praise God together. That's the communal side, the corporate side of praise that is so important. We're not as good alone as we are together and pushing each other, urging each other to praise God. Look with me in Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the sea and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are are the people of his pasture, the flock, under his care. Do you hear all the us's and we's in that passage of it's, it's us together? It's the corporate side of what we do. It's who we are. But not only is it just us corporately, we're also helping each other, urging each other on in our praise. Colossians, Colossians 3 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, the songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So you see, as we sing these songs to each other, as we praise God together, we're teaching each other and admonishing each other. It's us together corporately praising God. Now why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because when you're not here, we miss you. You see, when you're not here, we're all members of one body praising God together. When you're not here, we're not the same. We're not whole. Okay? Corporately, we come to worship, but it's bigger than just us together. The next phrase of the song says this, praise him above ye heavenly host. Now, heavenly host in scripture is referring most of the time to angels. There's a couple of, of verses I want to point out where the angels come forth. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly Host, you as servants who do his will, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. And then probably the most famous heavenly host phrase that we know we're going into a Christmas season is in Luke 2. Suddenly a great company of what? Heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rest. So they're created beings. God created angels to do his work. 
and to bring glory and praise to him. A couple things to understand about these instances that we see. Number one, we don't worship and praise the angels. No, the angels are pointing us corporately to the creator. They are created beings, and they're pointing us together to the creator. So we have us corporately praising God along with the angels, but it's even bigger than that. Psalm 19 The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run its course, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. All of creation, all the universe, all of the created things, the heavens declare glory and praise to God. So it's all of us corporately. It's the created beings. It's all of the universe praising God together What's the point? Praising God is much bigger than just me and God. Praising God is joining with all of creation and lifting up the creator. That's what we're called to do as followers of Christ, as followers of God, to bring praise and glory to him. One of the most corporate things that we do in churches today is celebrating communion together. I remember vividly years ago uh, traveling in, in, the middle, in Central Asia with a group of missionaries and when we uh, partook of communion together, I vividly just remember the idea of we're not alone. That people all over the world right now, millions of people all over the world right now are joining in communion saying, we remember the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us and we celebrate that he is risen, that we might live. And so this morning, we will celebrate communion together. I'd like to invite our communion servers to go to the back and prepare. And we're just going to pause and do this right now. Communion at Waterstone is a little different. It's a little messy. Our our servers stand around the room. We have to get out of our seats and kind of climb over each other and come forward and receive the words of institution. And together, it's family time. It's family time. And today, I want us to think of it as family time. Yes, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us, but we celebrate that he's risen And then he's coming again as our risen king. Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. When you are ready, come forward as a family and partake of communion together. So we've seen together God is the object, God, and God alone is the center of our praise. And when we praise him, we're part of something much, much bigger than we realize, much bigger than ourselves. The last thing I want to point out this morning, um, I mean, it's simply this, praising God means praising the fullness of God. And it's illustrated in the last line of the song, um, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. Now, the term Holy Ghost is an old, old, old uh, term, uh, King James term. Uh, we translate that now Holy Spirit. Uh, most of the time we sing it that way now. We don't sing it in this particular song because it doesn't rhyme. Sorry. I don't know any other explanation, but uh, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, the doctrine of the Trinity is, uh, first of all, uh, it's much bigger than, than what we can deal with here today. Um, I'm not here to give you a huge theological defense of the doctrine of the Trinity, um, but I do want to uh, talk about it briefly um, and understand this, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, it, which is simply this. We believe that there's one God, one God. And he is represented in three distinct personalities and persons. God the Father, God the Son who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That is a mystery. That is very, very, very difficult to explain and understand. And truthfully, uh, not many people explain it well. And I don't think I'm going to do a great job today. But what I hope to do is help us see a bigger picture that through the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, we see the fullness of God. And we worship and praise and thank the fullness of God. There are a couple of scriptures that we see that help us to see these three persons. The first one is Matthew 3. This is when Jesus is being baptized. He's starting his ministry here on earth so to speak, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In this passage, we see all three persons of God working interactively together. We also see the idea of the Trinity. By the way, the word Trinity does not appear in Scripture. We see these, the three persons of God working. And, and there's another uh, verse that we see this together. This is Matthew 28. Jesus is sending out his disciples. We've experienced this this morning, by the way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We see the three persons, the three personalities of the Trinity working together. One way to explain this is to identify the different roles that each person of the Trinity plays. It's easy for us to see this God the Father as the creator of all. He was there at the beginning of creation, the beginning of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God 
God has always been. God will always be. God holds the story of all of time in his hand. And we see God the Son, Jesus. We know him as the one born of a virgin, the one who lived a sinless life, the one who died on a cross carrying our sins, our burdens, the one who was resurrected on the third day, the one who is coming again as our king, our conquering king. And then we see God the Holy Spirit, the one that's probably the most understood, the one that is maybe the most controversial. Some passages I want to bring out about the, the work and person of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, we see the Holy Spirit as the power source, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Romans 8, 2, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings freedom from sin and death. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We see him in Romans 5 as a source of hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the helper in John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And in Romans 15, we see the Holy Spirit brings peace and hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Our hope comes from the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Why is this important? J.I. Packer, a theologian, in his book Concise Theology, he wrote uh, this quote that I take here. The practical importance of the doctrine of the Trinity is that it requires us to pay equal attention and give equal honor to all three persons of the Trinity in gracious ministry to us. So in all three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we see the fullness of God. And when we praise God, we are to praise all of God, but that's not how it works for us many times. You see, it's easy for us to be comfortable with and praise and thank God for one part of who he is and yet another part we completely disregard or we completely ignore because we're either we disagree or we're not uncomfortable with, and that's not praising God in his fullness. We may be comfortable praising a God who created the universe, the God who is the great creator, but we may not be able to relate to the Holy Spirit who's active and present in our lives, bringing help and comfort and peace. We may be okay with a God the Father who loves the world, we know that verse, right? Everybody knows that verse. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But we may not be comfortable with God the Son, Jesus, who says very blank, uh, point blank, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to God. We may not be comfortable with that God. Can I tell you this morning about a part of God's creation and about God that I'm not super happy with right now? Yesterday, 24 hours ago, with some, I'm sure, who are in the room this morning, sat at a funeral home not far from here, and uh, experienced the funeral of an 18-year-old young man, a young man that um, I've known not, not a four or five years, uh, coached him in basketball maybe three years, um, went to school with my sons. This 18-year-old this young man decided that there was no hope decided that he had nothing else to live for. And yesterday, which would have been his 19th birthday, his parents buried him. I'm having a little bit of trouble right now with a God who controls the world. And yet there are 18-year-old young men who have no hope But the question is, when we face those trials, those difficulties, is what does it do to our faith? Is our faith shaken? Do we take the circumstances of the world and turn away from God? Or do we believe that God is good? And even though we don't understand what's going on, it doesn't change the character of God. You see, when we shrink God down to the God that we can understand, and we shrink him down to something we're comfortable with, that's not praising God. It's praising our version of God. And we choose to follow him, we praise him, even if we don't get it. Even if we don't understand And so um, this morning, I want to leave us with a phrase, and I think it's very important this time of year, and it's simply this, that Thanksgiving, true Thanksgiving, is the ultimate submission to God. Just like Scripture says, when we give thanks in all circumstances, even when it's hard, even when we don't understand. I know, I'm not oblivious, there are those in the room who are going through hard times and you're finding it very, very difficult to hold on to faith. Hold on. That's why we're in community together. That's why we love each other and urge each other and push each other towards faith. The world is a broken place and it hurts. 
but we trust a good God. This morning, we're going to close with an extended time of worship, offering praise to God. A couple of songs here. I want you to engage fully with your whole heart. The first song I will sing together now is, again, I'm going to sing a lot of old hymns today. This old hymn that really encapsulates this idea of the fullness of God. Holy, holy, holy God Almighty. I'm going to ask you to stand together. Let's engage our hearts and minds to worship the one God tonight.